This is Curl Up with a Cat Tale, and I'm Gwen Cooper, the New York Times bestselling author of numerous cat-centric titles, including Homer's Odyssey, A Fearless Feline Tale, or How I Learned About Love and Life with a Blind Wonder Cat, Spray Anything, More True Tales of Homer and the Gang, and The Book of Possum, Head Bonks, Raspy Tongues, and 101 Reasons Why Cats Make Us So, So Happy. We're here to celebrate all things feline and to tell inspirational cat tales. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to an all-new episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tale with Gwen Cooper. I am, of course, Gwen Cooper, your host, and delighted, as always, to be here with you today. Later on in this episode, we're going to be kicking it old school, and I'm going to be answering a reader question. Uh, But before we get to that, sadly for you, you're going to have to listen to me ramble on a little bit about other things. And I'm actually kind of bummed that that I have, in very typical Gwen fashion, held off on recording this podcast long enough that now I pretty much have to record it right now when it turns out that right now is kind of a bad time for me to do so. Only because I I am thoroughly irritated about something, and and I'm going to bring you guys in on this uh, because I feel that this podcast, in addition to talking about cats, right, that, that this is basically also me talking and and talking to all of you who are readers of mine um, about uh, the cats in my life and speaking with with other people, experts, some of them interesting, famous people who also have cats. But you also get to get uh, sort of a, a behind-the-scenes look at the very glamorous and exciting life of a full-time writer. Uh, this is all by way of saying that, that I'm in the midst of a little bit of a, I mean, crisis is the wrong word, but something that should be very minor has blossomed into a very irritating situation. So I, I have a free giveaway book um, that you can find on my website. And the purpose of this book is I give it to people in exchange for signing up for my email list. Um, if you are thinking to yourself, what book is this? I have never seen this book. Why do I not have this free book? You can certainly go to my website right now and where it says get a free book, just click on that and follow the instructions. But I should tell you that if you've read all of my books, um, particularly Spray Anything and the sequel to Homer's Odyssey, then you have read everything that's in this book. This book is is pulled together from a couple of other books. And, and so it's like a little bit of a sampler basically. And the point of it is to give somebody who may not know who I am or be familiar with my writing a a little a little sample, a little little uh you know sam- sampler platter um to see what my writing is about and and what kind of writing I do and and hopefully to decide that they might be interested in another book of mine at some point, but at a minimum that they're willing to stay on my mailing list. So, even though this is a free book, I should I mean this will probably come as no surprise to anyone when I say that I am a perfectionist about anything having to do with my writing or my books. And I swear to God in general, and it has been the work of a lifetime, but I'm not a crazy, rigid, type A perfectionist in just about any other area of my life. And and a commonly heard saying in this house, and this is really one of my great mantras of life, is do not let the perfect be the enemy of the good. But which is a thing that I always have to remind myself of that it's okay for the most part for things to be good enough. 
things do not always have to be perfect. They cannot always be perfect. And if you are really going to be a perfectionist, then you really have to pick and choose a very narrow range of things that you're going to be a perfectionist about. Because if you try to be a perfectionist about everything, um, it is emotionally exhausting, both to you and to the people around you. And spoiler alert, you're, you're still never going to get there. You're never going to make everything perfect. There is no such thing. But for me, the one area of my life where I do demand perfection of myself and, and also kind of insist on it for the other people who I work with is when it comes to my books and to my writing. And I will say that one of the greatest compliments that, that and I think I've said this before, one of the greatest compliments that any reader can pay to me is to say, I, I felt like I was talking to the author. I felt like I was talking to Gwen. This, reading this book felt like having a conversation with your friend who loves cats as much as you do, because I, 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 I work very hard to make it sound that effortless. And so, which is, you know, when somebody says it feels like we were just having a conversation, that it, that is what I construe it to mean, that it seems effortless. It just seems as easy as sitting down and talking to your friend who also loves cats about how much you love cats. And, and I, and that, that easy kind of effortless thing is definitely something that I work at. You know, I'll say that a, a first draft usually flows pretty easily and, and I force myself to do it without any self-consciousness because self-consciousness is, is the death of first drafts. But after that, once I've got that first draft, when I go back and polish, I mean, then I'm really putting a lot of thought into every word, every syllable, every comma that is there. Um, and I will say, you know, and, and so things like typos, for example, and, and bad formatting and all of that just make me crazy. Um, I, I found a couple of typos actually in my life in a cat house after the book was published. And I thought I was going to have an aneurysm. And I remember saying something to my editor who actually really liked and, and we had a good relationship uh, but I was very upset and I remember saying something to her and her saying that most books have at least one or two typos in them. And my my first thought, I, I swear I got very harumphy in my head. This is not what I said to her, but was, Madam, that is simply untrue because I notice every typo in every book that I read. And I guess it is the great, look, how do you know that if something is there if you if you're not noticing it? You know, how do you know that you've noticed every typo in every book that you've read? And, and the only thing I can do is say that, man, typos jump out at me. I, I can say it with the same assurance that if I were a professional piano player, I would tell you, look, I may not be a concert pianist. I, I may not be Mendelssohn. I may not be certainly Mozart, but I am a professional piano player. And even if nobody else can hear it, I hear every time someone who's playing accidentally hits a wrong note. If, if it's half a tone too high or half a tone too low, and no matter how quickly it goes by, I hear it. If a professional pianist told me that, I would believe them, even if I myself would never notice that one stray wrong note. And so I would say it's sort of the same thing here. The, the typos, the mistakes, they jump out at me as jarringly as a wrong note is going to jump out and jar a professional pianist, even if the average person listening would never discern that wrong note. So although I think people find it much easier to spot typos for the record <laughs> than they do a wrong note in, in a concert. 
Um, but I am con- but the point being that I am confident that the the books that I'm reading are not rife with typos that I just don't, for the most part, notice. I might not get every one, but if most books I were reading had at least one typo, then not. I mean, I read three or four books a week and I would be in a constant state of wincing at typos. Anyway, this is all by way of saying that I hired someone to professionally format this free book for me because I felt that it could be formatted. The formatting could be a little bit better than what I was able to achieve on my own. And so I went to Fiverr and I found somebody with many thousands of five-star reviews. And this seemed like a very simple and straightforward project because, you know, this is a guy who, who according to his description, he formats books professionally. And, and this is a book that's never going to be printed. When I say it's a free book, it's, it should be understood that it's a free ebook. Um, P.S. It never ceases to astonish me how many people will email me and ask me if I could please send them the physical copy of the book. And it, it truly never ceases to astonish me just how many people are so lacking in common sense that they honestly think that I, I could afford to just send free books all over the country. But anyway, um, the fact that this is a free book, by the way, and that it will never be printed as an ebook does not, to me, make it any, the, the importance of the, the formatting, typos, you know, things like that, that it all being on point is not any less to me just because this is a book that's going to be given away for free. Anyway, the point being that it is now turned into, you know, what should have really just been a very, very quick project. I mean, I honestly, I could have in a couple of hours just formatted it myself. It's just that I've been having some problems lately converting files to EPUB, which is the format that you need for Kindle and Nook and other ebook readers or ebook reading apps. And so as long as I was going to have to have someone convert the file for me anyway, I figured I would treat myself and let somebody else do go back and do all the the nitty gritty formatting stuff that would otherwise take two or three hours out of my own day um, because my own day right now is entirely given over to taking classes on how to use Excel and then also taking classes on how to analyze the return on investment of my advertising for my books, which is something I need to do in Excel spreadsheets, which I'm only still learning how to use. The point being that the majority of my day at this point is spent on doing what is, at least for me, difficult and confusing things on the computer. And so I figured, I, you know, I would treat myself and, and I would spend a little bit of money and let somebody else do this one particular difficult and confusing task for me. And it would not even be difficult or confusing for this person because they are professional and this is what they do, as as demonstrated by the many thousands of five-star reviews on Fiverr that this formatting expert had racked up. Anyway, the, the, the build up to the story is so much longer than the story is going to be because I'm, I'm just going to nutshell the story and say that every time um, th- this person sends me a, 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 ra- a next round to look at of the PDF and the EPUB file, there is something else wrong. And I don't mean, I'm not talking about aesthetics like I wish he had used a different font or I would like the, the, the chapter headings to look a little bit different or have a different kind of layout. I mean, 
you know, the section breaks within a story are formatted one way in the first two stories, then a different way in the third story, and then yet a different way in the fourth story. Um, I mean that in some places after a section break, the first three letters of the first sentence are capitalized, and in other places, the first four letters are, and in some places, none of them are. I mean that in the EPUB version, as I'm looking at it on my Kindle, the about the author section, so there's a heading that says about the author, then you have to go to the next page and you see a tiny picture of me. Then you have to go to the next page and you get the first paragraph of my author bio. Then you have to go to the next page and you get the second paragraph of my author bio and so on and so forth. And the kinds of things that I'm describing to you, you know, a couple of the pages in the PDF didn't have page numbers at the bottom. Um, the first round of the EPUB file that he sent me was was basically, and I don't want to get too far into the technical stuff here, but PDF files, Adobe Acrobat files, do not convert properly to EPUB format. And there are workarounds. So if you have a PDF and you want to make an ebook out of it, there are workarounds for that, but it's not like you can just straight transfer, you know, um, convert the file from PDF to EPUB. I mean, you can, but what happens is that you get a result like what he sent me, which is sort of like instead of getting a dynamic E, you know, ebook page where you can make it bigger or smaller and which words are on the page are going to change depending on, you know, how far into the book you are, et cetera, et cetera. What you get is basically like a photograph of the page on the PDF, um, rather than, and, and it's, you're looking, you're an EPUB looking at a picture of a PDF page, one that you cannot make bigger or smaller. And that, by the way, is likely to be very, very, like so small as to be unreadable. The point being that these are, you know, these are the kinds of things like, dude, check your work before you send it to me. I, I should only come in to say, you know, I don't like this font. I don't like the way this picture is set up. That sort of thing. The, the real nitty gritty, the two paragraph author bio with heading and picture should not be on five different pages, Right. That should not be the kind of thing that I am required to tell this person. And if it were once or twice, I would say fine. We are now on the seventh attempt at this. And every time I am not finding things that I want to change instead, I'm finding actual mistakes. And I, I cannot figure out why. After an entire weekend of working with me, this guy has not yet figured out like, this is obviously a, a real, you know, this is the nightmare scenario. She's obviously a perfectionist. She's going to look at every little detail. So I had better look at every little detail before I send it to her. Because I will tell you in my own professional days of, of your, I could definitely be careless with, with work-related projects that I did not, that I did not think were particularly important, that I thought were a lower priority than other things that I was in more of a hurry to get to. But I also learned, and a lot of bosses would, a lot of times my bosses would agree and they would say, yeah, yeah, this is a minor thing, whatever. That's fine. That's good enough. We got to move on to this much bigger thing. But sometimes you work for a boss who is a perfectionist about everything, no matter how big or small it may seem to you. And man, you learn that quick. You know, you learn like after the first one or two times you show up and that person notices such tiny details that you were not paying attention to that now you know what you're dealing with. And you know that for this particular supervisor, you have to be buttoned down. All your I's better be dotted. All your T's better be crossed or you are back to the drawing board and they're going to be irritated with you. 
And I am thoroughly irritated right now. And the thing that I really hate about this is, you know, I get so irritated. And then I feel like a terrible person for being this irritated. And I am very polite in all my correspondence. I always say please and thank you. You know, it's probably probably he can tell it this. I, I can't imagine he doesn't know I'm irritated. Who wouldn't be irritated? He's got to be irritated too by now, by the way. Um, I, I just, yeah, like, like why, why aren't you looking at it yourself before you send it to me? Anyway, so this is a little, a little, we'll, we'll call this a little behind the scenes, how the sausage gets made. Um, this is how the sausage of being a writer gets made. But I will tell you, I have had significantly less um, what my grandmother would refer to in Yiddish as gehaktenetzeris, which means just a lot of aggravation. I have had a lot less gehaktenetzeris in in going through the editorial process of, of, of actual books. I'm not even talking about my professionally published books because that that is a whole corporate process that plays out over the course of a year. I mean, even my self-published books, um, but things that that were I was selling for money as opposed to doing as a free giveaway. But just because it's a free giveaway does not mean that I want the people who are reading it to have a poor, sloppy reading experience that does not reflect well on me. And again, to be honest, when I'm working on something, you know, some things are are free, some things are for sale. Everything, let's say, has its its purpose. There's a reason why I'm I'm creating it. That's part of a bigger picture. But when I am in the act of of working on a book, writing a book, editing a book, I can honestly say that what's going to happen afterwards in terms of how much, you know, how many copies I'm going to sell or whether it's going to sell for money or whether it's going to be a free giveaway or whether it's the book that's going to lead people to read other books of mine. All of that is is nothing that I'm thinking about. I'm only thinking about the work and trying to make the work as good as I can possibly make it. And so there, there is, I, I do not have the capacity to say, as I'm sure my husband would if he were here this weekend and not traveling for work, which may be why this whole thing is unraveling, by the way. Because if Lawrence were here, Lawrence would say, some of these things you're upset about are things nobody else is going to notice. Like, like, just pick the two or three biggest things. Let everything else go. It, it's it's a free giveaway book. You got to move on with your day. Um Although I do not think that an author page where that that plays out over the course of six pages where just one page is just the heading and one page is just a little picture of me and one page is just one paragraph and one page is just the next paragraph. I don't think that's the kind of thing no one's going to notice. I think that's the kind of thing you don't have to be a perfectionist like me to notice and say, what the hell? Who put this together? Perhaps I don't want to buy any books from the kind of person who thinks that this is an acceptable way for a page to look because God only knows what the quality of her other books looks like. You know, it's you, you can't stand with the free sample tray in front of Chick-fil-A if if your samples look disgusting. If your samples look like something that somebody has already eaten, partially digested and regurgitated back up. That's not going to get people to spend their actual money for a whole sandwich at Chick-fil-A. And it's the same thing with this book. So I will, <laughs> Lawrence's presence or not, I will stand by my insistence that this book live up to the same standards as any book I was charging actual money for. 
Uh, because the other thing, too, that I'm always mindful of is that if you're a person who likes cats and likes books and you like reading cats about books, then you are, by definition, my friend. And you being my friend, I want to give you a positive reading experience and not a jerky, cheap feeling, hastily put together, ridden, riddled with typos and formatting problems reading experience. That's not what I want you to have. <sighs> Well, I don't know how you guys feel, but I certainly feel better having gotten that off my chest. And I, it's possible that I will not fly into an insane rage when I inevitably go back to look at the next round that I know, despite the fact that it's like going to be the eighth or ninth round, is still going to have problems. Although I, I guess that's me not being very optimistic. I should be an optimist, right? And, and maybe the next round will be the final round and this whole project will be done. At any rate, here's what I'm going to do right now before I spiral off into the abyss completely. I'm going to take a, a brief break of about 30 seconds or so. And when I come back, I will be answering today's reader question. So please, please do sit back, relax, get comfortable and stick around for more Curl Up With A Cattail. much for sticking around. Um, and, and I do want to move on from, from this rant of the last part of the podcast, but just to sort of tie it off, I will say that uh, while for you, this was a 30 second break. For me, this was about a 10 or 15 minute break. And in that time, I got the next round from this professional who I've hired to, to do the, the layout of the PDF and ebook of my free book for me. And I will say that he corrected all of the mistakes that I had pointed out, but the, the, there's a photograph at the beginning of each story, just like there is in, in every book, um, every cat book that I have published. And I can't help but notice that in the EPUB file, the, these, they look beautiful in the PDF version, but in the EPUB version, in the ebook version, um, they're, they're very narrow on the sides and they're very long from top to bottom. So squashed in the middle, but long, you know, tall, very, very tall. And so they look like funhouse mirror images. They look bad. And I'm just wondering why I have to be the one to point this out and and tell this guy that they look bad. He's a professional. Why would he even send it to me looking like this? Did he not look at it himself before he sent it to me? And anyway, moving on to the reader question this week. And this is a letter from reader and listener Shauna Goldstein, um, who wants to know if I have any, I, I've, she, she notes that I've written so much. I've told so many stories about my cats and she wants to know, do I have any great cat stories left that I haven't written down yet? And if so, can I share any of them on the podcast today? And so thank you so much for, for reading, of course, and for listening. Um, you know, it's an, it's an interesting question, right? So. There, I, I, I feel like most of the bigger stories that I would have to tell, I have told already. Um, for those of you who've read my life in a cat house, 
you know, Scarlet and Vashti never got their own books and, and I don't think they needed to get their own books. Uh, but they each got sort of a mini biography condensed into maybe 25 or 30 pages in My Life in a Cat House. Um, and all of those stories in My Life in a Cat House are, are pretty chunky. And I've, you know, subsequently in, in other books like Spray Anything also told some chunky stories. Um, I do feel that I'm coming to an end of those chunky stories, at least until some more dramatic things happen. I mean, I do know eventually, right, that, that, you know, Clayton and Fanny, who are now 11 years old, and at some point in the next few years, we're going to start getting into senior cat issues. And, and so I think some chunky stories will probably come out of that. Um, but by the same token, I never... You know, my original plan for my life in a cat house was actually shorter form stories. Um, and I was very much inspired by Shirley Jackson, who some of you may know is a famous horror writer who wrote The Haunting of Hill House. And we have always lived in the castle and and the famous um, gruesome short story, The Lottery. It's probably one of the best short stories that I've ever read. Um, but Shirley Jackson, you know, she kind of did her horror stuff at night and her day job, which really paid the bills for her entire family was her lighthearted writings about being a, um, a, a, a housewife and a mother, um, a wife and a mother, a housewife and a mother, a, you know, a stay at home mom, basically. And she was sort of like a proto Irma Bombeck. I'm guessing that most of you listening are, are like me old enough to remember Irma Bombeck. And, so, and I would encourage you, by the way, it, it's actually really, I love Shirley Jackson. She's one of my favorite writers and, and her books, um, which were compiled from her, some of her newspaper and magazine articles, um, were called Raising Demons and Life Among the Savages. And it's great stuff. And, you know, they're, they're shorter stories. And that was sort of what I had always envisioned doing. And, and it's something I envision moving on to doing in my next book, um, Although I feel like like the stories that I had that I want to tell now are more situations than stories. Um, and, and I'll give you an example of what I mean. So I, I was realizing the other day um, that my entire day revolves around serving the various animals in my life. You know, everything else I do is, is like some just a smaller activity of lesser importance that gets compressed into the filler hours between the times when I am serving the various animals in my life, I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is I go downstairs at 5.30 to feed Clayton and, and then I get my act together and I exercise and I shower. And then it's 7.30 and it's time for me to, to throw out some nuts for the squirrels in the backyard. At around 9 o'clock is usually when the neighborhood indoor-outdoor cat who I feed when, when he comes around looking for his food. Um, noon is when Clayton gets his lunch. So whatever I, I'm doing, I have to stop what I'm doing and get his lunch. One o'clock, I usually go upstairs for a brief siesta. And at that point, Fanny, who's been upstairs all morning, um, and so really has not gotten any alone time with me, um, demands that I sit on the bed with her in my lap for at least a good 10 minutes before I can take any kind of siesta. Um, you know, at, at that point, <laughs> so I, I, I have to service Fanny. 
Then I come back down and and Clayton usually at this, he's gotten tired. He's spent the morning eating and looking at the window and watching the squirrels on the back deck and so on and so forth. So now when I come down after my siesta to do my afternoon's work, um, this is when Clayton always demands to be in my lap and that I sit in certain positions and and in certain ways that make him more comfortable while I am working. Um, Then (laughs) at around five o'clock, the neighborhood cat comes back for what she is hoping will be her second feeding of the day. It rarely is, but she always makes the attempt and I respect her for it. Um, And then it's time for me to start thinking about what Lawrence and I are going to eat for dinner. But my whole day, you know, it's, it's not, and I realize just explaining it this way, by the way, it is, does not make it sound particularly entertaining. So you have to go with me when I tell you it's it's all going to be in the writing. But the point is that this is not so much a story as it is. This is a situation that I find myself in and that I think probably anybody who loves animals can relate to. Um, There are definitely those days where you feel like what you're really doing is what you're really here to do is to serve your animals and everything else that you do, whether it's time you spend with your husband or doing the work for which you are paid, that's all just like this unimportant filler stuff that gets crammed into whatever corners of your day you have left when you are not in some way serving the animals in your life. I think there are days when everybody feel like you just, you go from feeding to cleaning to petting back to feeding and that's your day. Um, so uh, that that's that's an example. Um, it's not necessarily a deep dive story into one of my cats, and and it's not an origin story or formative story. To some extent, those stories, like I said, I, I feel um, are done until something significant changes in our life, and then we will be I will be able to write to that to the to that significant change and and how we handled it. So having said that, and and while I do feel that some of those deeper dive origin stories, I, I think until I have a new origin story to tell, are are behind me, I will say, you know, it's interesting. A story, there there's so many different ways to tell a, the same series of events and make it a completely different story, depending on what you focus on, the moments that you focus on, the things that, that you talk about that you were thinking about at the time. Um, if I were telling a story about how I walked over to Central Avenue, picked up a sandwich for Lawrence and dropped off some dry cleaning, um, I, I could tell a story where I just focus equally on all three of those things, my walk to Central Avenue, my stop at the sandwich shop and my stop at the dry cleaner. Or I can talk, let's say, you know, make it three quarters about the walk over to Central Avenue and I'm ruminating about how the neighborhood is changing or what my first thoughts were when I first moved to this neighborhood or, or whatever. Um, and then make the, you know, picking up the sandwich and dropping off the dry cleaning, something I get, you know, get out of the way in one sentence. Or I could make the story, you know, the gloss very much over the walk over and make the story about, kibitzing with the owner of the sandwich shop who Lawrence has gotten to know pretty well since we live here and sorry since we moved here uh, you know and I don't want to belabor this point but but the point being that depending on what aspect of a story what moments you focus on what 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 thoughts you allow to spiral out from that you can tell the same series of events in any number of different ways and get a, a different story out of it and as a writer, you are always making that choice, what you're going to put in, what you're going to focus on, what you are not going to mention at all, or what you're going to very quickly gloss over. And, you know, I feel like there are, are moments that were 
great moments that were adjacent to stories where I, I didn't want to dwell too long on the moment because there were other stories to tell. Um, one, one thing I, I always think about this, this is just really one of those moments that, that I still, it, it's like a movie that I can play in my head whenever I want to and will be able to forever. And that was when we, when I first adopted Vashti and that first morning after we brought her home from the vet's office and she, you know, and you guys have, have read my life in a cat house, hopefully. And so, you know, what, what horrible, horrible shape Vashti was in when I found her and I thought she, in addition, I mean, I could tell she was in bad shape, but I also thought she was just a very quiet, sort of unenergetic kitten. Like she did that she just wasn't playful that she, because she was so quiet and still all day before I got her to the vet's office. And so we, we let her sleep in the bathroom that night. We, you know, we gave Scarlett a break from getting to meet the new kitten. And then I opened the bathroom door the next morning and, and out she came and she was yellow and she smelled like like the sulfur bath that had been used to kill her mites. So she she smelled like rotten eggs and she was bright, bright yellow because the sulfur had turned her white fur, this just very startling shade of yellow. And but she also, you know, for the first time, I mean, she she had always been she had been so hungry and she had been covered in mites. And now her little belly was full and the mites were all dead and she felt good for the first time, probably in forever. And she came spinning just spinning out of that bathroom. I mean, it was just such an incredible transformation in her energy level from the what it had been the day before. And it was only when I saw, I mean, obviously I knew she was in bad shape. I knew she was hungry. I knew she was itchy. I mean, she was so pathetic. It was part of, of what had drawn me to her in the first place. But it was really only in that moment when she came spinning so ecstatically out of that bathroom um the second i opened the door that i i realized how bad it must have been because she was so happy right now and and sometimes you you understand you realize in a moment that someone is only this happy because they have been at an equal level of misery in the recent past like there's a certain kind of happiness that is really only attained by the recently miserable by which I, by the way, do not want to imply that I am advocating misery as a lifestyle choice. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's the breakfast you eat um, when you wake up and you're hungry. You haven't eaten since dinner the night before and you are and maybe you've exercised and you are legitimately hungry. And then there's the breakfast that you eat when you haven't eaten at all for a couple of days. And um, you can sort of tell the difference between someone who is happily enjoying breakfast and somebody for whom breakfast is a kind of ecstasy uh, because that's how hungry they were. And that, that was what it was like for Vashti. And, and I remember I just being in, in, in tears, in tears. Uh, but I was so happy for her happiness, but also I, 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 it really hit me on this very visceral level, ha- how much she had been suffering before this um, and so it was the just this powerful combination of those two things that the, the happiness and and just the utter heartbreak for her previous unhappiness. Um, and and I'm describing this now, and and it was not a moment that I dwelt on at all. There were so many, you know, Vashti. The, the story that I wrote about Vashti for my life in a cat house was was long. It's I think possibly the longest story in that book. 
there were so many moments over the course of a lifetime, really, with all of my cats. Um, I could write forever, probably, and still never write them all. But I guess, you know, now now that I'm thinking about it, really, the, the main difference between the kind of storytelling that I've been doing and what I want to do now, and maybe saying that I, I want to tell not, not so much tell stories as present situations is not putting it the right way. What I mean to say is that, you know, I feel that everything that I've written so far about my cats has really been about, about the, the cat. What makes this cat, in my eyes, extraordinary and yet at the same time just like other cats and and what it is about our relationship? Because I I can say it really is true that I do love all of my cats equally, but in different ways. I really do have such a different relationship with all of them. And so I'm always – I think that's what I'm always trying to write to – what may what is the what is essential about this cat that I'm writing about and also about the relationship I have with this cat. And what I want to start doing is writing less about that and more just about the substance of our day-to-day lives together. So it's you know, it's a new direction for me. Um it's it's kind of but it's more like a, a new spin, I guess, on a classic favorite. Um so, but the, so that's where I see it going. Not so much stories as as moments, and and I and I hope I hope that I gave you a, a good moment in in giving the example with Vashti, because again, I I think we do all have moments like that over the course of of our lives with the animals that we love. Um, just like we we have the the day to day grind of here's your food, here's your clean litter box, here's your food, here's your clean litter box, here's your food, here's your toy, here's your clean litter box. Not that we would want to have it any other way. So this is the book uh, I've I've begun outlining it again. I uh, I think I floated the title a couple of weeks ago, or potential title. So the potential title that I'm thinking of, sort of in the spirit of my life in a cat house, is. Uh, the best little cat house in Jersey. This is the idea that I'm thinking of, and we'll see. We'll see how it goes. And with that having been said, it is probably around time for me to go and see if there is yet another round of this newly formatted free ebook for me to look at. So I'm going to go do that. Thank you so much, as always, for listening, and please be sure to join us again next week. And that concludes this episode of Curl Up with a Cat Tail with Gwen Cooper. Don't forget to invite your feline-loving friends to listen to new episodes along with you. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, find out how to get your name and your cat's name included in my next book, or leave comments or questions for me to answer in future podcasts, head on over to GwenCooper.com now. Thanks so much for joining me, and don't forget to hug your cat today.